The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 11.06, and we are back uh, once again. Pinpoint Health Show here on Global News Radio. And, of course, Dr. Lou is in the uh, the hot seat today taking your phone calls 416-870-6400 pinpointhealth.ca info at pinpointhealth.ca to reach out by email and the Lou down is the uh, long form podcast check that out uh, wherever you catch your favorite podcast the Lou down lots of great stuff there dr Lou, back uh, here on a saturday morning welcome to the show but uh, jeremy paulus is who we have with us a special guest on the show for a little while this morning i'll let you do the uh, the intros and the particulars fellas how are you both Hey, John, I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, the introduction. And, and Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks. No problem. So uh, so Jeremy uh, Paulus um, reached out to me um, uh, probably, I'd say, must have been about six or seven weeks ago. Um, and, and the reason why I brought him on the show is because so healthcare is a very complicated thing and no one person understands everything about healthcare. Um, and, and I'm the first to admit that and, and I, and I, that is also true for me. And so, uh, Jeremy reached out to me to talk a little bit about 22Q uh, deletion, uh, syndrome, which is, uh, uh, a genetic disorder. And I'll let, and I'll let Jeremy get into the specifics of it and we'll talk to him of, about that right now. But, um, it's something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people know about. I, I remember briefly, briefly learning about it. Uh, in school, and that was sort of it. And I and I and I can't say that clinically uh, or practically, I've seen a, a lot of it. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. In fact, it's a lot more prevalent than people think. Um, and so then, in speaking with Jeremy about um, this genetic disorder, it, and and this month is also uh, an awareness month for 22Q. Uh, you know, we we had the discussion about Jeremy coming on the show and just talking about this, really to raise awareness and to let people sort of know. Uh, more about the disorder and and you know what it all can mean uh, for somebody who suffers with it. So um, Jeremy, who who's worked you know professionally in risk management for over 20 years in, in a bunch of different roles in different industries, um, recently started his PhD in public health and health systems um, at the University of Waterloo. Uh, the research that he's doing is is um, trying to understand risk factors for drivers with disabilities. And more generally speaking, how um, he's researching how mental health resilience and agility of adults with 22Q, the uh, deletion syndrome, uh, and, and somewhat rare chromosomal disorders uh, in, it's more specifically. Um, and this is also really important for Jeremy because uh, not only is he studying this from a you know, knowledge perspective, but it's also something that hits home uh, for Jeremy because he has a son uh, who's 11 years old, uh, who was born with 22Q. So he's in a very unique position to talk to us about it from um, the practical standpoint of, of living with it or, or, or his son living with it and, and knowing that, but also around the research that he's doing. So, Jeremy, again, thanks for joining us today. No, I really appreciate that, uh, Dr. Liu. And um, it is a great opportunity because uh, it is um, – the International Awareness Month for 22Q, and and I know all around the world, there's actually a lot of these types of shows happening, TV, radio, newspaper, um, articles in different places where um, both healthcare folks and families are getting out there, just you know, raising awareness about it and talking more about it. So, 
Um, for, for me, yeah, I, I, I was chosen as a parent to be uh, a father of a boy with 22Q. Um, we didn't know um, it was going to happen. Uh, our boy was a preemie. He was about um, six weeks early and in the hospital, um, just a four, uh, four pounds, a tiny guy. Mm. And so they were doing a bunch of tests, and, and one test came up, and they noticed he had low platelet level. Um, and so I said, well, let's, let's do a little bit more uh, digger deeping here and see what else is going on. And they, they, they did recommend doing this um, test that would look at different genetic conditions. And, and sure enough, um, you know, we learned after he was within a month that he had uh, 22Q. Okay, so Jeremy, let's start with, with the basics here in terms of for the audience. What is 22Q? Let, let's start with that. Let's make it as simple as possible. Yeah, I'm going to just, I mean, I, I was always about keeping it simple and trying to understand it myself. But basically, we're all born with 23 um, chromosomes and 22nd chromosome, uh, one of the uh, pairs, um, there's a piece of DNA information missing. And that's all that 22Q is. It's just basically missing about 30 or 40 genes in that um, chromosome. So it's a micro deletion, they call it, but essentially it's just missing um, some genetic information. And so with that can can uh, be a lot of different sort of scenarios. And uh, there's a spectrum, there's a range of um, um, disorders or challenges that folks can have. And I can give a bit of an overview of what they are, if that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, please, let's go into what some of those common medical issues. The other thing before you go into that, that I, you know, with the, the resources that you sent to me to do my homework on this too, that I found, um, you know, stunning and, and is really the prevalence of this. So, you know, I, I'm looking at some of the research that you sent, and it says that as many as 1 in 2,000 to 1 in 4,000 children worldwide um, might have 22Q. That That's not a small number of children that could be born with this that actually is significantly high i would say yeah and that's the thing it's it's known as the uh, most common micro de- deletion that no one's heard of <laughs> right it's, mm-hmm. you know includes healthcare folks and, and you know parents and in general sort of um medical field um a lot of a lot of awareness had to happen i think also with uh, doctors pediatricians to try to identify some of the stuff but yeah, the, the the prevalency ranges based on the different studies out there. Um, but you know, bottom line, it's as common as Down syndrome, which pretty much I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of us have heard of that one, right? Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's probably different reasons why it's not known uh, as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it is pretty prevalent and. Um, you know, when you, when you start looking at all the different sort of aspects of it, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, um, deletion syndrome because it's very complex. Yeah, um, yeah, like it ranges from um, physical, medical uh, conditions to cognitive and emotional challenges. So the, the the big ones that are very prevalent for those that have this condition, I should probably talk a bit a bit about how. Um, bit more about sort of how it's formed so uh, about seven to ten percent of of the cases uh, of those that were born with 22q um, come from a parent that had 22q Um, but the majority so 90 percent you know 93 percent would be just a abnormality sort of formation 
in um, the, the natural sort of stages of birth where the, the cells are coming together and there's just a, a natural microdeletion, which I don't think anyone really understands why that happens necessarily, but that's sort of the scenario. So it's not necessarily prevent, you know, preventable, but there are screening tests and those that you know, maybe had a parent and they know they had a parent with the condition, they, they can get um, um, some, some diagnostic testing done. At, you know, when, when mom's with baby, uh, that's possible. Um, and then more, um, so sort of um, taking samples um, um, in the womb, essentially, and, and you know, looking, doing a genetic test to see if the condition's there. But in the last right. five years, the screening has actually um, improved so much that um, there are uh, um, blood tests that can be completed, much like what would be done during um, early, uh, within the first, um, you know, five to ten weeks, where. Um, doing screening for Down syndrome or some of those other common uh, conditions. So this is relatively new, just about the last five years in Canada starting to, to do those uh, if um, the, the parents wish to. So there's a bit of a cost to that, but right. that is something can happen. Um, yeah, Jeremy, but, does, is, um, it, are the mm-hmm. symptoms, are, is there trademark symptoms that everybody has or is there a variety of different symptoms that, uh, that so, can vary? It's exactly, it's so much, so much of a range and a variety. Right. So the physical stuff, I mean, uh, what could be caught early on is uh, the big, one of the bigger issues is um, congenital heart disease, some kind of heart malfunction or abnormality of the heart. And, and that could be seen in uh, when doing the ultrasound, right? Uh, um, so that's, you know, early stage, it could be caught there. But some of the, some of the more other common physical traits would be uh, Kidney um, problems, uh, low uh, iron levels, um, uh, also uh, very common is palate issues in the throat, uh, inability to close the throat so when swallowing. Um, we have low hearing uh, cha- or uh, challenges, very common as well. Um, physical stuff also commonly uh, there's some facial features that are often a little different um, from the, you know around the eyes and nose. Um, the smaller statures of the body, low muscle tone, curved spine. <laughs> um, a lot of these these things are possible. Um, not necessarily they all have them, but those are some of the bigger, more common physical features. Um, then on the other side, the very very prevalent. Um, so before you continue there, I think we have to go to a quick break, and we'll continue yeah. on the other side. Here with Jeremy Paulus, and uh, we got to continue more with this. By the way, if you have any questions for uh, Jeremy or Dr. Lou, reach out right now. 416-870-6400 would be the way. After that, pinpointhealth.ca and info at pinpointhealth.ca as well. It's the Pinpoint Health Show right here on Global News Radio. 1119, welcome back to the show, Pinpoint House Show, 416-870-6400. Not necessarily questions about 22Q, but if you have questions about your health overall, that's why we do the show every Saturday morning here with Dr. Lou, reaching out info at pinpointhealth.ca. And uh, again, the phone number, 416-870-6400. Dr. Lou, take uh, take it away. We're coming right back. Yeah, and we're so we're still here with Jeremy uh, talking about 22Q uh, deletion syndrome, which uh, um, you know Jeremy's given us a lot of information here already in that first segment in terms of, and I think any parent out there or any anyone that's about to have a child, um, you know, when you hear something like that, there's a one in two thousand to a one in four thousand chance. 
I mean, everybody's going to sit there and say, like, could could this be something that is an effect on my child? And so um, one of the things that Jeremy's been kind enough to do, and we'll, and we'll turn this back to him, but just uh, before we do that, um, if anyone's interested in contacting Jeremy and, and just, you know, discussing this further, um, you can send him an email, and his email is uh, jpaulus, P-A-U-L-U-S, at uwaterloo.ca, um, or Google um, him using Moving22Q. So, um, Jeremy, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the common uh, medical issues that are associated with 22Q, and we talked about things like uh, problems with the kidney, uh, heart defects, even um, uh, failure um, with the throat, like in terms of the palate being able to to meet the throat and things like that. Um, there's also, and, and you sort of alluded to this early, but some of the developmental uh, issues associated with uh, 22Q. And again, through the resources that you've sent me, I'm seeing here that some of the big ones, speech and language, uh, learning and schooling, and then mood and behavior. Can you just take us quickly uh, through yeah. some more of that? Yeah, just quickly. I mean, that, that that's really it. I mean, developmental delays in general, really uh, very prevalent, very common to have um, learning disabilities, so um, very not inability usually to sort of get to a certain stage in cognitive understanding or you know how to read, how to write, how to do math and stuff like that. But just a lot, lot a lot slower to get there. Could be years uh, longer than others, but it, it's a common element. And the other one is anxiety, very high anxiety disorder and fixation, very prevalent in this population. Some of the psychiatric um, concerns as well, which tend to not really um, show up until kind of late adolescent, young adulthood would be schizophrenia. And that's one that really worries, right, a lot of parents and families because they kind of, um, you know, not sure what that's going to mean, but um, that up to, you know, research says different things, but, you know, say 25 to 30 percent of um, cases um, develop that as well. So there's a lot going on and, and there's not... You know, 22Q, um, people do not have every single, um, um, you know, element of this, but um, some some elements in different um, severity, I would say. Right. And and I remember when we first spoke, um, you know, a number of weeks ago, and we were talking about this, and you did a great job educating me. You even said that there are people out there that, that could have 22Q and, and don't even know it. They've never actually yeah. formally been diagnosed, which to me seemed, you know, remarkable because... Like you're saying here, there's so much variability in the things that could happen. It's not a cookie-cutter approach where everybody gets the same medical issues or difficulties. And some of these things that we're talking about are, are things that are prevalent otherwise outside of 22Q. That's so correct. To, so to some people that would have not been tested, they might just be calling this due to some other thing, whether they think it's a behavioral issue or some other type of learning difficulty or whatever it may be. But there yeah. may actually be an underlying genetic uh, um, cause. Can you just um, sort of like, you know, be, in terms of what are some of the takeaway uh, takeaway messages that you really want to get across about 22Q? Well, I mean, a lot of it's just the, the basic understanding. It's there. It's out there. Um, chances are you, you, you probably have, you know, met someone <laughs> with this condition. Uh, right. To your point, they may or may not have, um, you know, understood that they had it, but Bottom line, it's that um, you know that they they need to have um, integrated, coordinated, you know, treatment healthcare, right? So, the fact that you mentioned that 
they, they might have, you know, treatment for these individual symptoms, right? Um, they're not necessarily all kind of put together and understood. And I think unless they, you know, it's clearly understood they have 22Q, and then you can start looking at some of the other treatments that have been effective uh, in some of the integration piece uh, part there. And and for me, you know, when I, as a parent, uh, early days, wanted to learn as much as I could about this condition, it was all, you know, a lot of reading, you know, journals uh, would be on the DNA, the genetics, the biology, but very little um, research was on bottom line stuff like how are, how are people with 22Q going to be having a good quality of life when they're older and they're adults and how are they able to be independent? How are they able to work? How are they able to go, you know, drive or, or get on a bus or a subway or whatever and be mobile and be active in, in, in their life? And, and so that's where I've decided to commit my, my work now and, and my research work is in, in that space. And are there any things that you that you're shedding light on that you can sort of give us here in terms of how some of those things might be more possible with someone with 22Q? Well, you know what's good. It's a good good question because um, back in the spring summer. So my, uh, as you mentioned in my intro, I'm a, basically a risk manager my, professionally in different industries. But for for the last bunch of years I was doing, you know, crisis management, emergency management, so really interested in, in large-scale uh, disasters and, and how, do we, how do we respond to them. So when, the, when we have the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm like, well, this is a great opportunity to raise awareness and how are adults with 22Q dealing with this, right? right. Because yeah. another big sort of consideration is they have, you know, they can have um, uh, immune deficiency challenges. So that's a big issue, obviously, with the COVID-19. So absolutely. when 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 I was supported by some of my uh, now uh, supervisors and some faculty I'm working with at the University of Waterloo, we, uh, we, we got a little small piece of grant money and we went out and started interviewing virtually adults with 20Q, both in Canada and the United States. Uh, how are they doing, right, during this time? Right. How are they able to continue with their treatment? Are they, uh, you know, how's the, the, the lifestyle change for them? How are they able to cope? And, you know, you see one of the takeaways that, that didn't surprise me, actually. So we're talking a lot of the kind of, mm, I use the word negative things, but, you know, some of those health kind of things that could be going on. But in this scenario, one of our kind of um, hypotheses wanted to challenge and test was we thought they'd actually do much better because, because of the lack of complexity and being able to stay home, not moving around as much, not interacting with people, reducing the anxiety and the fixation, we kind of guessed, right, that they would do, be doing much better, perhaps even, <laughs> than before. And based awesome. on our interviews, it, that, that was um, what, what, what we had learned. So we want to continue with that, um, that, that work and that research, but that was... You know, we would hear from them or some of their par- uh, adult parents or their parents that had adult children, 22Q, would say, like, they're, they're exceedingly doing well because they're less sort of interaction with people, less um, moving parts, and they're doing well. I mean, there was challenges like we all had uh, probably, like, you know, missing key friends, key sort of social uh, supports. Um, but often, you know, they kind of bounce back pretty quickly and now it's a small, relatively small sample so we're just sort of early days in this work but that was one of the well, you know takeaways really resilient yeah. folks 
Well, Jeremy, I think it's uh, it's great what you're doing, and, I, and I'm happy you joined us on, on the show today. Do you want to just? Um, I already had mentioned it at the beginning, but how can people get a hold of you um, if they're if they're interested in you know yeah. either just having a discussion with you or, or asking you questions about 22Q? Well, that sure. I mean, there's there's sort of two. They can email me at uh, so my name's Jeremy Paulus, and my uh, email is my my initials J Paulus P A U L U S at uwaterloo.ca. Um, and you could also do a um, Google search for Moving 22Q for, with my name. Uh, we also have a, a Moving 22Q Facebook page, which is fairly new. Uh, and I, I should say, yeah, I'm really interested in, in the sort of you know, mental health, anxiety, and resilience. But also, one of the, the observations that came out of that that work was that, you know, you know all those conditions going on. Um, some of them still have driver's licenses and are independent or mobile. And I really want to, that's where I want to focus most of my work going forward is, you know, what, how, like, you know, what are the success factors for that? How did they get right. there? How did they um, you know, get to that point? So I'm really, uh, you know, focusing on driving too. So um, well, you know, people can uh, reach out. Yeah. And, and as you get the, that new information and that research that you're working on, Jeremy, becomes more clear, please reach back out to me and we'd love to have you uh, great. back and continue uh, raising awareness about 22Q. So, Jeremy Paulus, thanks again for joining us today. And I really appreciate uh, your interest and willingness. I appreciate that. Thank you. My pleasure. Jeremy Paulus right there again, J Paulus, J-P-A-U-L-U-S, at uwaterloo.ca, is in the university, uwaterloo.ca. It's, fa- it's a fascinating topic, really, and it's, it's you know, once you start to peel back the layers of the of the onion, you don't realize how prolific it is. I mean, it's it, the interesting thing is, is like like he said, we, we, we probably pass somebody on the street every day with 22Q, or you may know somebody and may not actually know it, depending on the severity of their symptoms, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also uh, raises awareness uh, about genetics, right, and how important, um, you know, a lot of people will cough up a lot of things to just, you know, environment. And environment definitely plays a role in in so many different things. But um, getting a better understanding of of your genetics and what, you know, you're made up out of uh, can can provide a lot of insight. And, And this is an example, right, where you look at something like a learning disability in a child, which, you know, sometimes... Uh, people, uh, a lot of kids suffer with with uh, learning disabilities. Could some of these children have 22Q and it, it just was never diagnosed um, and it's never been looked at? And so um, I think that's an important thing for people to consider when they're considering their health is is the underlying genetics of, of what they have going on. Now, obviously, you know, the vast majority of people that have learning disabilities aren't going to have 22Q, right? I think that that is clear. But I think the point that I'm trying to raise is that um, we are all subject to our genetics in terms of, of what the realities are. And so, uh, uh, you know, I think this is an important thing to raise awareness. And, you know, again, I, I would think that most people, I mean, John, have you ever heard of this before? No, not until you yeah. sent me the email earlier this week to have Jeremy on and never heard yeah. of it. No. Yeah, and, and again, right. for me, this was like a small thing I remember learning throughout school, and then, you know, that was sort of it. Um, uh, and, and yet, look how prevalent it could potentially be. Uh, so I think it was great to have Jeremy on and, uh, uh, and, and just speak more about 22Q. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll turn the show back to sort of what we do uh, mm-hmm. week to week. And, and if anyone's listening out there, any health-related uh, questions, pain and injury, uh, sort of my specialty uh, in terms of uh, giving us a call, just, you know, call, call, call uh, 
And, you know, I don't even know the number to the station, John, yeah. so you may want to give that. <laughs> How long has this been? Five years? Something yeah. like that? It's okay. <laughs> 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. It's info at pinpointhealth.ca and uh, 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, to reach out and uh, have a lengthier conversation about whatever ails you or for uh, for someone else's benefit or for yourself. What's uh, What's been happening lately, by the way? I keep mentioning the podcast that you're doing, the Lou Down. What, uh, what do you got coming up on that? Because it's always fascinating stuff. I hear that music, John. I think that's break. Oh, yeah. See, we got to go again. Here we go again. Okay, fine. We'll take a short break and get right back to it. In the meantime, yeah, pick up a phone if you got questions uh, of your own about your health and your concerns. 416-870-6400. Pinpoint Health Show right here. Global News Radio. 11.36, and welcome back to the uh, Pinpoint Health Show here with Dr. Lou reaching out now, 416-870-6400. That's a way to call into the station now. You'll want to reach out afterwards, info at pinpointhealth.ca and one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou, D-R-L-O-U, real simple. Can't mess that one up. We would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on COVID-19 as part of our show every week because it's still there, it's still growing, people are still talking about it, it's... Uh, it's the thing right now, right, Dr. Lou? Yeah, absolutely. And and sort of, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, and I was really surprised about this. So, and I don't know if you remember this, John. This must have been a few weeks ago on this show. I was talking about um, a friend of mine who was exposed to somebody who went to a meeting who knew that they were slightly sick, feeling under the weather, and, and still went to the meeting anyways. And, and I sort of went on my little rants that I do sometimes about that Hey, if you feel sick, if if you're under the weather, just stay home. Stay home, yeah. get tested, and and you know if you don't have COVID, then minimize those symptoms. And I reposted that on my social media platforms, and it, one of them sort of went. I don't want to use the term viral because it didn't go out to like millions of people or anything, but viral in the sense that there was a lot of debate going on, lots of comments, and and in all honesty. Uh, the vast majority of them like negative towards me in terms of, you know, wow. things like like, hey, the virus is fake. And you are uh. you going to pay people salaries and all of this stuff? It just sort of went on. And 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 it was sort of it's sort of crazy in a way, because I would say, number one, and you know this, you, you've been with me on this show forever, but you've, you've definitely been here during COVID with me. I think I'm very much a realist when it comes to COVID. I've never been one of these people that has said, hey, shut everything down all the time. And, you know, this thing is the worst thing in the world. No, I think I've tried to be very realistic. And I just want to clarify something. My stance on COVID is this. COVID, number one, so some of the comments that I heard was like, you know, this is fake. It's not fake, right? So so I'm I'm not going to put up with people who want to be vastly ignorant. This is not a, 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 a fake virus. The virus is real. There is a virus uh, that causes the disease COVID-19. And that that virus... And that disease, thankfully, for the vast majority of people, it does nothing more than cause, you know, some flu type of symptoms, which is good that the vast majority of people don't succumb to very serious illness. And, and the vast, vast majority, right? Some, some of the research will say that people under 65 have like a 99% chance of, of nothing negative happening. That's great. It's not so great when we get into older populations and, you know, people maybe with other things going on. And even in those populations, it's not like the numbers are 50-50, right? So overall, it's good in the sense that this is a virus that overall 
doesn't seem to cause much more than some than some you know uh, mild discomfort and things like that. But the reality is too that there are a number of people, whatever that number is, and I'm not even going to sit here and say that I know what that number is for sure. There's a lot of different research, but the reality is there are people in the world, a lot of them, who have died as as a result of COVID-19. And so I was sending out the simple message that not. I'm not saying we should stay home if you otherwise feel fine. No, stay within the rules, right? I'm not even going to get into the political side. My point is this. If you wake up and you have a runny nose and, or a cough or anything that's a flu-like symptom, you should stay home and self-isolate and go get tested. And, you know, I had people say, are you going to, you know, what about the economy? Here's the reality about those types of symptoms even prior to covid if you look at the economic impact of lost time of work in the industrial world, the greatest lost time due to, uh, to some type of medical condition in the industrial, industrialized world, which we're talking about the economy, is the common cold. Okay, So my point was this. Even before COVID, if you are sick, you should not be getting other people sick. Like, to me, that doesn't... I'm not saying that there should be rules to mandate that. I'm not going into any of that political stuff. What I am saying is, as a human being, shouldn't it be up to you that if all of a sudden you are sick with something, that you do your best to not get others sick? That was my point. And, you know, here's the reality. Even before COVID-19, again, if you have the flu... The flu is deadly to some people. So the fact that we make this as like, oh, you know, the only people that are dying are old people or sick people. It's like, I know someone right now who is in their 30s who is going through chemotherapy. That is not an insignificant person to me in my life, right? That's not someone that we could just chalk up as this number of saying, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, not, not only sick people are dying or only old people are dying. Are they not people too? Are they not no people as well? And, and yeah. that's what drives me crazy about this. And again, I'm, I'm very much a realist in this. I actually don't support what's happened overall in the way the lockdowns have been carried out and all that stuff on, on a personal and political view. But from a purely healthcare professional view, what I am saying is if you're sick, I don't care if it's COVID or if it's not COVID, just stay home until you feel better, because when you're in that in that stage where you're symptomatic and you can transfer whatever virus you have, the reality is those things can be very, very dangerous to other people. And, and I'm talking about that person who's undergoing chemotherapy, even outside of COVID-19. Any little cold or whatever, it could be potentially disastrous for that person. The reality is, as humans, we should do our best to not get others sick. And that was my point. So the fact that people somehow took this as, you know, I even had people saying that I'm part of this conspiracy and I'm part of the, the you know, the political establishment to control people. And it's like, it's crazy. I, like, it, it just makes me laugh that, that people will say that about me. I am just simply trying to use common sense with this and the common sense, John. And, you know, if I'm wrong, John, I want you to tell me honestly on the radio. All I'm simply saying is if you feel like you're under the weather because you're getting sick with something, do your best to not get other people sick. And because we've got COVID-19 going on, and those may be the symptoms with COVID-19, go get tested. If it comes back negative, wait for your symptoms to go away and go back to your life. I don't think that that's a crazy stance. 416-870-6400. You want to call in, you have some questions on your own health or otherwise, you still got some time here at Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. 
And welcome back. 1146. Still got a few minutes to go here. And uh, Dr. Lou reaching out when we're done just before 12 o'clock. You can do that. one 55 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at pinpointhealth.ca. How are the clinics, pal? You guys are up and running, still helping lots of people, right, even in these COVID times, as they say, right? You know, I'm John. I'm very, very proud of my team. Um, we are helping so many people, thankfully, right? So, um, you know, and thankfully, uh, as essential services, our our services are still happening, and we're doing it in the in the safest manner. And you know, in all honesty, even on the medical side of everything, there's some level of me that has that's sort of upset with the way everything has has transpired too. Um, in terms of when we look at what people deserve in terms of their care uh, for their health issues outside of outside of this virus, right? People, we we all know what happened with things like elective surgeries. One of the things that's still really unfortunate is how many people um, are still not able to see people like their family doctors in person uh, or other specialists in person. I know even a lot of the specialists that I work with. Um, they are doing things more virtually. And, and, you know, I've talked about this before, and I'm, I'm really, I don't know that that is the best thing for people's health. And I think that there's been, um, you know, people have realized, the general population has realized when you look at other procedural types of professions, so the other allied health professions like, you know, physiotherapists, chiropractors, uh, massage therapists, even optometrists, dentists, the, the, this component of healthcare is still in practice seeing patients, right? And, and, and to me, I, I just, I'm so proud to be part of that in terms of that we're doing, like people don't realize how much that contributes to the healthcare system, how much that alleviates a burden for so many other things. Because if, if even those professions, you know, weren't doing what they have to do, then these people would all just be going to hospitals and to yeah. and, and flooding the medical system. So the fact that these allied healthcare professionals are still providing good care, and that's not just Pinpoint Health, right? I'm talking about the people mm-hmm. out there that are still doing it, but Pinpoint Health falls into that group. That they are still doing it um, is it, it just brings so much um satisfaction to me i guess is is sort of what i'm saying is that that you know we the people of ontario that we service should be very proud that that we have these professionals that are still there in the trenches seeing people uh putting themselves at risk to provide care i think i think that that that's true heroism uh too and so uh you know and then even again the 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 big heroes in all of this the frontline healthcare workers at the hospitals and things like that working uh, with these COVID-19 uh, patients. But then, you know, where I'm saddened is where I hear of professionals that are still out there. And there's, they come from everywhere, uh, medical and allied. The people who took an oath um, to, to help people, and this is a health crisis, and that if they're still not back helping during this health crisis, to me, uh, is concerning. It's concerning. It's, it's uh, something I've heard too many uh, bad stories about people being unable to see their professionals, whomever it may be, um, and and that is really uh, unfortunate. But yeah, uh, going back to your question for me, John, Pinpoint Health is uh, is is open. It's it's providing all of the necessary things that we need to in terms of keeping people as safe as possible, and and most importantly, we're providing um, good quality care to help people through this time with their other health concerns. 
Again, uh, suggested you reach out if you need to uh, anytime. As you can see, it's still up and running and very robust. PinpointHealth.ca to get a hold of Dr. Lou and a member of his team. We're on the, uh, well, hopefully, I mean, it's, you know, the dates are always changing. The month is always changing. It's it's hard to get a straight answer about anything during COVID-19, but it looks like we're close to being on the precipice of, of getting a vaccine happening here, whether it be Moderna or uh, AstraZeneca or Pfizer. Could be a combination of both. It could be like a buffet. We don't know. And how soon yeah. everyone's going to get it, we don't know. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on that? Because there's a there's a certain percentage. I think there's I, I think I heard twenty or thirty percent, which is I guess not a great number. Would right away tomorrow, if available, roll up a sleeve and get stuck with a needle with the vaccine. Some people are a little reticent. Some are skeptical. Then you get the whole group where it's like the anti-vaxxer. It's a conspiracy group. Right? Where do you stand on yeah. the uh, the timing of this? Yeah, so I mean, the anti-vaxxer group, you know my stance on that. I, I oh, yeah. disagree with it. Um, you know, there <laughs> vaccines uh, save a lot of lives and they prevent a lot of illnesses. Uh, you know, in terms of this specific vaccine for COVID-19, uh, I have to be honest, I, I don't know that I know enough to, to comment on each of the individual ones. I, I think it's incredible um, that we are getting close to that. I think it's a game changer for sure in, in order to have a, a vaccine available. I know some of the things that I've heard is like, you know, how is this all done so quick and when typically it takes so much yeah. time? And sort of one of the things that I've always said is you have to understand we are dealing with, you know, really an unprecedented health crisis, which means that, you know, every brain in the world sort of diverted their resources and their, and their time towards figuring this out, right? And, and I think what it really shows more than anything is as a, as a species, what what humans can do, right? When, when we focus our energy on one thing, and I think that really should be um, the focus here is the fact that as, as a group of scientists, and I'm not part of the group of people working on these vaccines, but the, 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 the knowledge base, the researchers, the scientists who did divert their time towards figuring this out, I think it shows uh, what can be achieved uh, by humanity when, when our minds are put to something. And, and we've seen this at other points in history, right? Like you, you think back to the 60s when you wanted to get to the moon, right? Look, humans did that, right? They, they put their attention, they focused, and, and they achieved that. And so I think really what should come out all of, out of all of this, uh, you know, and, I, and uh, we'll see what happens with the vaccine in terms of efficacy and safety and all of those things. I don't know. I don't know the future. What I do know is it's incredible that in a short period of time, uh, we've gotten to a point where it seems like it will start rolling out. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think by this time next year, um, we could be looking back at this time as a point in our history. Uh, but, you know, going back towards, you know, I think I, I'm hopeful that by next year at this time, this will all just have been a memory and something that we learn from. And so uh, I don't know. I, you know, to be honest with you, John, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know enough about uh, the exact vaccines individually in terms of uh, I just think, you know, there's there's a lot of research, a lot of knowledge put towards all of this, a lot of scrutiny. Uh, so I think whatever uh, will happen will happen. And the reality is we need something, right, to, to make yep. this a game changer too. So, yeah. uh, you know, we might just have to – everything I think is always a risk versus a benefit, right? And, and sometimes you've got to look at something and say, what is the risk versus the benefit? I, I think for sure people who are frontline healthcare workers, the most vulnerable – um, the the benefit greatly is going to outweigh the potential risks, it seems like. And so that seems like a good thing. Um, and that's sort of, I guess, my two cents on that. 
Got a couple minutes uh, left to go here before we wrap for a Saturday. Mike, thanks for uh, standing by. How are you? Hey, guys. Great show, as always. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, I have a quick question. <laughs> I was. I guess uh, Mike's not there. Oh, no, Mike's no. here. You can't hear him? Oh, can you hear no, me? I, oh, now I can. Yeah, sorry about there that. There you go. Sorry, guys. So I was golfing, and uh, on my follow-through, uh, my leading leg, my knee, major pain in my knee, uh, that was about eight weeks ago, and it's still hurting. Okay. Uh, just looking for some advice and what your thoughts are and how to prevent uh, for further injuring it. Yeah, so I mean, the, my advice with this type of stuff always starts with you've got to get it looked at by a professional, right? Because you could have something like that could be something as simple as a strain sprain or it could be, you know, tearing of the meniscus with that type of mechanism. So, you know, you've got a spectrum of things that could be happening in your knee and you've got to figure out what that, where, where on that spectrum you sit. That's not something you're going to figure out on your own. So you've got to get it checked out. And then depending on where on the spectrum you sit in terms of, of what the diagnosis is, that will be um, the, the key in terms of what the treatment is and what the, and what the recommendations are around potential prevention, right? It, it really depends what's going on in your knee and what's happened um, and, and, and getting it looked at, really. Do you think that eight weeks later it's less likely to be a sprain and more likely to be that tear of the meniscus? Yeah, you know, I do I think that yeah, sprains can last a long time too, but you know, the minute you say that and I think of the mechanism and the fact that it's still that symptomatic, yeah, you might be dealing with the meniscus issue. It's it is very much possible. Um and and that that see this is the point of why a lot of times and, and I'm not criticizing you, but I'm using this as an example. People should not be sitting on these things for eight weeks, right? Because all it does is delay is it, it delays the intervention time because whatever it was, the early intervention could mean by now you'd already be on the other end of it and, and, and sort of have it under control. And so, you know, that's always my messaging is these things need to be looked at as soon as possible. You know, I would say you don't, you don't, you don't need to get hurt and, and necessarily, I shouldn't even say not necessarily the next day because some things are emergencies, but um, you know, if it's not horrible and, and you don't think anything, you know, a couple of days to try to nurse it on your own is, is never a horrible thing. But I definitely think after a week's time, if something's persistent, you should get it investigated. That'll uh, do it for today. You want to reach out to Dr. Lou, no problem. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. It is info at pinpointhealth.ca. Pinpointhealth.ca is the website. Got lots more information and details uh, there as well. And the long-form podcast for you anytime. The Lou Down is where you'll find that. We'll catch you next time. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.